Thank you. Thanks so much, Ben. Great job all day. They've done such an amazing job, our uh, Switch uh, Youth uh, Band. Uh, as Ty mentioned, we are doing this little series at night, uh, looking at some of these alpha topics. And uh, as he mentioned, we're going to be looking tonight at why did Jesus die? What's the significance of that? What's the uh, heart behind that? Why does that uh, really matter? Now, I might just quickly uh, pray. I know we pray, but I'm just going to quickly pray and then we'll get into it. Father, uh, I just love praying at the start because I just, uh, I'm reminded how much I need you, great God. And so speak to us now. Uh, just use me as an instrument, as a, as a tool in your hands, great God, to speak to us tonight. I really do pray. We thank you, Lord, and commit this moment to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I remember, uh, you know, quite a few years ago, I think I was maybe grade six or seven, and I remember distinctly, and I'm not totally sure why, but I remember wanting to get like a necklace with a little cross on it. And uh, maybe some of you uh, have a necklace like that and you're, you're wearing a cross. Uh, maybe you've done so in the past or whatever it might be. But I remember, I don't, know, I don't even know exactly why. I didn't necessarily grow up in a religious home. I'd never been to church or anything like that. Maybe it was because I kind of saw a celebrity wearing one and I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be like them. You know, I better get one of those. Or um, I think... I think maybe from memory, a close mate of mine had one. He always wore like a, a necklace with a cross. So I just thought, oh, yeah, I want to be like him. So I'll get one of them. And, and um, I remember talking to my mum about it. And eventually I got this cross and it was like a silver, uh, yeah, silver necklace with a, with a cross on it. And, and some of you may even have one on now. Some of you wear it, people in society, you see, you go places and people sometimes are wearing a, a necklace with a cross on it. But it's a really interesting thing because when you, when you think about uh, what the cross represents, it was actually, you know, back in Jesus's time, it was, it was a form of execution. Like it was a form of people dying on it. And that's exactly how Christ died. And when you think about it, it's like, oh, that's, that kind of seems pretty morbid. Like you're, you're wearing something uh, which was a form of executing people. Like it's pretty full on. And yet, and yet a Christian would say, actually, no, the cross is the greatest form of hope for me. Uh, that's why I wear it, because I find so much hope in the cross. And the cross is so significant to the Christian faith. Uh, and yet it's kind of an interesting symbolism, isn't it? I mean, it'd be weird if I, I kind of, if I turned up one day with a, a necklace and, and an electric chair, like hanging on my chain, you know, like you'd be like, oh, that's, that's weird, dude. Like, what do you, what do you got that for? And yet the cross represents a form of execution. But the, the cross is so significant to the Christian faith. It's so uh, foundational. As a matter of fact, the cross is, brings so much hope when you understand what the cross uh, represents. And, and Jesus' death on the cross is so significant uh, if you're a Christ follower. And even if you aren't, when you understand the significance of what Christ did, uh, it can be life-changing. It can be life-changing for you. As a matter of fact, I was so impacted when Aaron shared on Friday night uh, at that shift, uh, at our shift event, I was just struck again. I was like, here's another life, a life that has been radically transformed. And even if you don't know it tonight, you too could experience the transforming power of what Christ did on the cross. I remember quite a few years ago now when I was, I think, still an apprentice and I uh, Oh, I might have been out of my apprenticeship by this stage. Actually, I think I was, yeah. And I was working for a builder at the time. He'd gotten a little bit quiet. And another friend of mine who was also a builder said, oh, would you want to come and do a little bit of work uh, with me for a little while, just while, you know, uh, your regular boss picks up a bit more work. And so I said, yeah, that'd be great. I was pretty good friends with him and I w was working with him for a little while. And at that time, he'd uh, put on a first year apprentice. And this apprentice would rock up and uh, my friend who was employing me at the time, he knew I was part-time working for the church and part-time on the building site. And uh, he knew that I was a pastor. And actually his, his background's quite interesting. He kind of grew up going to church and he, he wasn't anti-church or anything like that. He just no longer was involved in church whatsoever. It'd been many years, but, but there was nothing negative towards the church or anything like that. But he knew I was a pastor. And when this uh, first year apprentice was there, he said, oh, this is, uh, this is David, but you need to make sure you call him Pastor David around here on the job site because he's a pastor. So you've got to call him Pastor David. And he had a bit of a joke of it. And sometimes the apprentice would just call me David or Twig or Twiggy or whatever it was. And he'd say, whoa, 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 Pastor Dave to you. Thank you very much. You know, like he'd make sure he put him in line. And, and so we kind of had a bit of a, a, a laugh around it and stuff like that. But the first year apprentice, no doubt, and he had no faith back when at all, never stepped foot into a church, but he was intrigued like, 
Like, what, like he, he would often ask me questions on site and, uh, you know, like, how did, you, how did you become a pastor? Like, why, why are you working for a church? And he had all these different questions. It was just very intriguing for him. But I'll never forget one particular day, and I don't think our boss was there at that time, and we were just working away together, me and this, uh, the first year apprentice. And as we were work, working away together, just kind of out of the blue, again, he just kind of came out with this question, but it was so powerful because he said, so, like, you know, so, so why did Jesus have to die anyway? Like, he just kind of said this out of the blue. And I remember it was such a really, it was a really awesome moment uh, because, because that, that, you know, Jesus' death on the cross is so foundational to the, to the Christian faith and it changes everything. And he was genuinely intrigued. He said, like, why did he have to die? Like, what's significant about it? What, what, what does it really matter? And that's exactly what we are going to explore tonight. What, why, why is that significant? Jesus' death on the cross, why does it matter? And what does it really mean for you and for me? There's a uh, piece of scripture that maybe some of you or many of you might be very familiar with it. Uh, John 3.16, it may come up on the screen. Basically, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. One of the things that's so significant for us when we, when we look at Jesus' death on the cross is it reveals, as outlined here in John 3.16, uh, that God loves humanity. For someone to lay down their life in such a way is so, is so clear and so evident that God loves you, that He loves you. I mean, why would anyone do such a thing to lay down their life for anybody? Uh, but He did it for you. He laid down His life and it's an extraordinary expression of love. If you've ever doubted, if you've ever questioned, if you even just come along tonight and you think, I don't even know why I'm here, I don't even know how I got here, I'm not even too sure about this faith stuff. If you've ever questioned this, surely if there's a God up there, but he, he couldn't possibly love me. No, 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 it's just simply not true. Don't, don't believe that for a second. He does love you. He does love you. And Jesus' death on the cross represents it, that God, God loves you extraordinarily. And his death was so, uh, so horrific, so, uh, so full on. It reveals his love for you. To do that for you is absolutely extraordinary. So why? Why did he have to go to the cross? Well, the Bible talks about in, uh, in Romans 3.23 that we all fall short of the glory of God. You see, the reality is that there are consequences to our sin that uh, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now, the entry point to heaven is perfection. When I was first kind of exploring this or talking to a friend of mine about it, he said, if, God, if you got to the gates of heaven and God says, why should I let you in? What are you gonna say? And for me, probably like most of society and our culture today, and maybe you've, you've thought the same, maybe as you watch online, you've thought, yeah, I, I understand. It's like, surely it's like I've been a fairly good person and if there's a good God, he'll let me in. Like that's, that's how it works, doesn't it? That's kind of how our culture works and that just seems to make sense to me. But actually the question arises when we have that kind of idea or that concept, well, good people go to heaven. A, a few questions arise with that. The first one is this, well, well how do you know uh, what's good enough. Like, I mean, we, we might live our lives and we do some good things, but we know we've done some bad things. I mean, let's be honest, every single person in this room knows that we're not perfect. You know, I haven't been absolutely perfect. Yeah, sure, I've done a few things. I've lied or haven't told the truth or I've had some hidden motives in my heart that weren't quite right. Like, I, I get that. And, and so, so how good is good enough then? Like, how, how do you know when you get to a point where you go, oh, okay, my goodness has weighed up my badness now. Maybe that's the point of entry now. Now maybe God will let me in. Like, we don't really know. And as a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't ever seem to indicate as well, like that this is the, this is the marker. Like once you reach this line, then, then you get in. Like that's the marker point. There's no clear evidence on that. The other thing is this, is that sometimes we can look to other people for that standard. We say, oh yeah, but I mean, let's be honest, I'm far better than, you know, our neighbours. I mean, my goodness, like, uh, you know, and you feel like, oh, I'm far better than them. So uh, at least then God would let me in. But again, you know, I mean, if you were to start comparing against other people, like you might think, oh, gee, well, I'm far better than Hitler. Uh, but I was to say, well, what about, you know, Mother Teresa? You'd say, well, gee, I'm not that good, you know. And, and, and would Mother Teresa get in? Like, there's just no, there's no clarity on it. Absolutely no clarity. And so if we hold on to this thing that good people go to heaven, well, there's no real standard. We don't really understand. And yet the Bible actually seems to indicate otherwise, that it's not good people that go to heaven, but forgiven people 
that go to heaven. You see, even Isaiah says that even our filthy, uh, sorry, even our righteous acts are like filthy rags to God. As I just mentioned in Romans 3.23, that the Bible indicates that all have fallen short of the glory of God. So in other words, the, the entry point to heaven is actually perfection, which we know, oh, okay, I, I can't reach that. There's no way I can reach perfection. So there's a problem on our hands. And the problem is this, it's the problem of sin. And the reality is that we've been wrestling since this, since the day of birth. We've been wrestling this, this concept of sin that we fall into it. We don't even mean to sometimes, but we sin. We wrong against God. We go against the moral law, this standard that he has, which is perfection. And we fall short time and time and time again. And the consequences of sin is death. So basically, this is what it is. If we sin, then we deserve death. But you and I, we don't want to die. We, we don't want that to happen to us. We don't want to be separated from God for, for all eternity. And so there's a problem on our hands. And sin is so potent in our lives. It gets into our hearts, into our spirits. In James 2.10, it says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. You see, even if you think, oh, I'm not that bad, but I keep most of God's law, but I fall short a couple of times. Even then, even then, it says, even if you stumble upon one thing, you're guilty of all of it. And so to stand before a holy and righteous God, the reality is we stand guilty before him. We stand guilty, sinful uh, in nature. And it gets a hold of our lives. It's, it's somewhat sometimes there's a sense, it, it, it can be addictive, it can be hard to overcome sin. It's, it's difficult at times. I mean, you know or maybe met someone or know of people that have been addicted to alcohol or to drugs. It's, it overcomes and gets a grip on their life and it's hard to overcome it. It's hard to get out of that. I have friends that have been addicted, unfortunately, to, to, uh, to drugs, the drug ice, and have been addicted on it for many years and trying to come off that so painfully difficult. And, uh, and this is kind of what sin's like in our lives sometimes. It gets a hold of our lives. It's hard to overcome it. Very, very difficult. Now, I, I kind of, uh, maybe it's not as full on as drugs, but we all struggle with this in some way or another. Like confession time, like I admit, man, I have a serious gluttony problem. You know what I mean? Like I love food. Like I just love food. And, uh, and I sometimes, I can't help myself as much as I don't want to eat chocolate and lollies and, and just everything bad for me. I, I can't help, I'm a dead set lollyholic and, 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 uh, and, and chocoholic, like I can't help it. And it's crazy. And this is what I mean. It gets a hold of your life, doesn't it? Because this is how it plays out for me sometimes. And, and bless you so much if you bless some of the staff here at the church with box of chocolates and things like that. But I tell you what, it's tough for those that suffer with gluttony, you know? And so sometimes I go down into the kitchen and there's a box of favourites or there's some beautiful cupcakes that have just been made. And you know what? This is how it plays out for me. I think to myself, this is what I do. I think, don't go there. You know what I mean? Like, don't go there because once you start, you know what's going to happen. But then I go, no, no, you'll be fine. Like, you'll be totally fine. Just have one. You know what I mean? Just have one. Go into those box of favourites, just have one. And then be content, like you'll be totally fine. And I think, no, 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 don't do it. And it's this battle in me. And I go over and I think, yeah, you know what? I remember my doctor saying, you know, in life, everything in balance, everything in balance. So yeah, it's fine, I'll just have one. So I go over, open it up, and I put that chocolate in my mouth. And you know what happens? I think this is amazing. That's what I think. I think this is incredible. I'm so glad I'm eating this. Like, I don't even care. I'm just like, this is so amazing. And then I think, you should have another one. Like, you should just have another. No, 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 don't do it. You just said you're gonna have one. Well, you've had one now. You may as well go again. So I go, yeah, stuff it. All right, so I'll go again. So I grab another one. Oh, now I've really stuffed it. I've had two. Just go again. So I go again. All of a sudden, the packet's nearly finished. I think, why did I do that? Why? Why did I do that? Because this is what happens. Sin gets a hold of your life and it's hard to overcome it. That's the reality. It's a, it's a real problem. It's the problem of, actually, it's the problem of society today. I mean, take a look at our society uh, today. Is there not issues in our society? Have you not seen social media? Have you not seen the news? Have you not listened to the radio? There are some real issues in our culture and our society today. And at the heart of it, at the core of it, the problem is sin. That's the problem. There's only one answer to that problem. It's Christ. It's the only answer. There's sin in your life and in my life that gets a hold of us and we can't overcome it. The only way, the only way you'll ever be able to overcome the deepest problem of your soul is through Christ. 
He is the answer. And so the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through who or in who? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. The other thing is this, is that sin causes a, it's like a, it's like a blockage between us and our heavenly father. When we sin, we know that oh, I've done the wrong thing. It's like when, you know, back in the day and particularly a bit more so on the job side and things like that, I'd ask guys, oh, do you want to come to church? And they'd say, mate, are you kidding me? Like, there's no way I could step foot into a church. Like the dead set, you're building and fall down, mate. There's no way I could come in. Now, what is that? I think there's a sense in which we know, oh, I know I'm not, you know, there's a, there's a shame sometimes. There's a guilt deep within our hearts. We know we're not quite right. And, and, and what sin does is it causes this blockage between us and God and it blocks us from coming towards coming to him. I said this in the uh, four o'clock service. I wasn't sure I could share it here, but I'm not sure. My kids um, sometimes watch online. But um, anyway, just I'm in this season of life and uh, I'm not sure if they're watching, but anyway, I think it's fine. Um, I'm in this season of life. We've got young kids and stuff. And it's fascinating though. It's, it's really fascinating. I see, I see it firsthand because... If the kids do something wrong, and it's, it's so awful as a parent to have to do it, but you, you, know, uh, you discipline your children and, and part of that sometimes is I, I send the kids to, to the room or to their bedroom and then I say, have a think about what you've done. I'm gonna come in and talk to you in just a moment. And it's a fascinating thing because you go in and they know they've done the wrong thing. And you go in, I sit down with them and I say, do you know what you've done wrong? And it's so fascinating because they can't look at you. You know what I mean? They can't, they can't look at you in the eye because they know they've done something wrong. And and what's happened is because of that, it's caused this like, this blockage there in that relationship. And they don't even want to look at you in the eye. They just sit there and they're like, oh, and they don't want to do it. And that's, the, that's what happens when we sin. It's exactly the same with our Heavenly Father. When we sin, it's like, oh, I can't, I can't go to God. There's this sense in which I can't go to God. It's only when, it's only when that forgiveness takes place, then the relationship is restored. And I see it with my kids. I say, you know what? It's all good. They apologize, I say, I forgive you, it's all good. And then it's like restoration and it's amazing and that there's no more blockage. And it's the same with us. What sin does is it causes a blockage between us and God. It's only when forgiveness has taken place that restoration can take place. And then you can come back to your father and say, God, and it's this this relationship that's restored. So that's the problem of sin. It causes a blockage between us and God. So what's the solution? The solution is in Christ. That's that's what's so powerful about the cross. That's what's so powerful about his death on the cross. That's why he had to die. Because the Bible says, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So what we deserve is death. That's what I deserve. I deserve death. The consequences of our sin is death and separation from God forever. Not just here and now, but forever, for all eternity. It's actually quite horrific and it's a real problem in our society today. But God, out of His mercy, out of His love, out of His grace, He says, I don't want it to be like that. I want a restored relationship with my own children. And out of His grace, He sends His Son into this world. And the punishment is death. And Jesus is tortured. Jesus is massacred on a cross. And that should have been me should have been me but instead he steps in our place and says I'll take the punishment for you I'll take the punishment for you John Stott says this he says it's the self-substitution of God God in Christ laying down his life so you don't have to go through that so you don't have to be separated from God forever it's an extraordinary act of, of love who would do that what sort of a king What sort of a king would do such a thing? And yet this is what he does. I remember talking to someone uh, a little while ago and just I was just talking to them about their own journey to faith and stuff like that. And I remember they saying, you know, I kind of grew up in church and attending church, hearing about the gospel, hearing about God and all those sorts of things. Uh, But she said, I remember sitting with someone and I was just talking to someone um, about faith and about the gospel. And they, they, they were sharing with me a little bit And she said, I just had this light bulb moment. Like I kind of grew up, you know, hearing all about it. But she said, I just had this light bulb moment. And this person explained to me, and and, and I don't know if I'll do it justice tonight, but I just want to share it with you. Maybe you've seen it before. But it's like she shared shared about how uh, this person was explaining, you know, imagine for a second that if all our sin was written in a book and 
I kind of got a book here. Well, it's actually my Bible, so it's maybe not a great book to use, but uh, nevertheless, um, imagine for a second that all our sin was just written in a book and, and it would be a huge amount of sin in our lives. And imagine, you know, these pages just absolutely full of all the sin that we've done and we carry this. You know, we carry this around with us, all the sin. And when God looks down upon us, He sees all of this upon our lives, all the sin that we've ever done, past, present and future. And John Stott talks about it, the, the substitute of God on the cross. You see, what we deserve is we deserve to die on the cross for this, for, for all our sin. That's what we deserve. We deserve to, to go to the cross for this. But that's what's so significant. Why did Jesus die? Because in that moment on the cross, this extraordinary substitution takes place. Where on the cross, Jesus then says, no, you, you're not to take the punishment for it. I'm gonna take it for you. And all our mess and all our sin is put uh, upon him. And we're left. Do you see the significance of that? Like he takes all of that. He takes all of that upon himself, all our sin, all our stuff ups, all our mess. He takes it upon himself and he dies for it. And what are you left with? You stand before a holy and righteous God, completely blameless, without sin. That's the significance of it. So when you come before a holy and righteous God, it's not anything that you've done. It's simply what Christ has done for you. He took it upon himself. And you stand before a holy and righteous God, literally guilt-free, debt-free, sin-free. And that's why God, that's why you can have a relationship with the Father because Jesus took it for you. That's the extraordinary message of the gospel. That's the extraordinary message of why Christ died for you and died for me. Eusebius uh, writes this. It's quite a, a, a full-on uh, description, but Eusebius, the third century historian, described the Roman flogging in these terms. The sufferer's veins were laid bare and the very muscles, sinews and bowels of the victim were open to exposure. Talking about Jesus, he says, he was then taken to the praetorium where a crown of thorns were thrust on his head. He was forced to carry a heavy crossbar on his bleeding shoulders until he collapsed. When they reached the site of the crucifixion, he was again stripped naked. He was laid on the cross and six inch nails were driven into his forearms just above the wrists. His knees were then twisted sideways so that the ankles could be nailed between the tibia and the Achilles tendon. He was lifted up on the cross, which was then dropped into the socket in the ground. There he was, left to hang in intense heat and unbearable thirst, exposed to the ridicule of the crowd. He hung there in unthinkable pain for six hours while his life slowly drained away. It was the height of pain and the depth of shame. This is the description of Christ's of Christ's death. This is what he did for you and for me. Why did Christ die? So that he could take the punishment of sin for us. And because of that, we can have a restored relationship with our heavenly father. Timothy Keller says this, I love this. He says, every other religion and philosophy says you have to do something to connect to God. But Christianity says, no, Jesus Christ came to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Christianity, Jesus Christ came to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. That's the significance of his death. And the result of this is extraordinary. The result of this is that you know and you understand the love of the Father. This act and this response, it reminds us of how loving, how gracious, how merciful our Father is. It's incredible. Imagine for a moment, and maybe some of you are married, maybe, uh, maybe not, but imagine for a moment that I told uh, Raquel, I told my wife that I loved her, but uh, I never really did anything for her. I didn't help her out, I didn't help with the kids. I didn't uh, you know, you know, just bless her or hang out with her even for that matter. I just showed no uh, sense of love towards her. But I said, oh, look, you know, I love you, I love you. There would be a sense in which she would begin to doubt, you know, would you, you know, does, does my husband really love me? But here, the evidence of what Christ has done, it reveals that through this extraordinary action that we understand, we get a picture of God's love for us. God's extraordinary act of dying on the cross reveals to us that he understands through our suffering. Christ suffered so greatly and there may even be times where you thought, how could God truly understand what I'm going through? But he's gone through every single thing 
every single thing. He understands everything that we go through and it reveals he understands our suffering. Even last week, if you were here and interviewing Mark, you know, hearing his story just full on, and even the week prior to that, uh, you know, I chatted to him a little bit more about his journey and his story. And I just thought, how did you reconcile? Like you didn't grow up with God and how did you reconcile? You know, you know did you ever question? Did you ever question, you know, God, where were you? And all those horrific circumstances when I was a kid. And he said, you know, looking back, I realise now that God was actually with me every step of the way. I actually see the hand of God. I see there were moments that actually he protected me in those, those moments. God understands our suffering. It reveals through the death on the cross that, that evil has been defeated. It talks about in the Bible that the, the enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to bring destruction to your life and the lives around us. And we see the evidence of that. But Jesus, through this death on the cross, has, has uh, defeated, defeated the enemy. That one day God will set everything right. That one day there will be no more suffering, no more heartache, no more pain. That if we respond to God in this way and say, God, I need you in my life. I want to acknowledge what you've done for me and I surrender to you. That not only can we experience freedom, freedom in this life now, but forevermore as well, that heaven and, and life, eternal life with Him is an opportunity for all of us. It's an extraordinary message. It's quite amazing. The significance of Christ's death. It means that we can receive forgiveness even though we've fallen short. As I read before, even though we fall short before, before God, that because of what Christ has done, that we can come before Him and say, God, forgive me, and it's on offer to you. It's on offer for you. It's on offer for me, that forgiveness. Like I said, people that have said, oh, there's no way. There's no way I could ever step foot into a church because we know there's moments we know there's guilt and there's shame in our hearts and we know, but forgiveness is available because of Christ, because of the cross, because of what He's done for us. The significance of the cross is that our debt has been paid. Like I, like I showed you before, all that debt, it's been paid for on the cross. This is why this is so significant and it's such great news. I, I remember uh, many years ago that uh, I think I was maybe a first or second year apprentice and uh, I was driving somebody else's car and I was, I think I might've been here on the church property. I accidentally reversed into somebody else's car and there was some damage done. And I, I can't remember the full circumstances of it, but because of the damage that was done to the car, the consequences were that, that, that there was a death involved with that and it needed to be paid. And I remember I was like a first year apprentice and I was also saving to go on this mission trip to the Solomons and all sorts of stuff. And, and you may think your wage is bad right now. I was on $6.20 an hour. And so you can imagine I had to pay this like debt and I was trying to save for this mission trip. There's just no way, you know, dead set would have taken me years. And, uh, and I remember having to ring the insurance company all about it. And I think in, there was a couple of meetings we had for this mission trip and I, I just kind of mentioned to a couple of people that they'd found out about the accident or whatever. And, uh, you know, I remember um, I had to ring the insurance company and I rang them and I was speaking to the lady about it and uh, she said, oh yeah, she was like pulling it up on the, on the system. And I said, yeah, so I've got to work out some sort of payment plan because there's no way I was going to be able to pay for, you know, the cost uh, to fix this up. And she looked in the system and then she said these words, which I couldn't understand at the time, but she said, oh no, that's all been paid for. And I was like, no, it can't be. Like, it, I mean, that would be great, but it, it honestly, it can't have been, this is the first time I've rung you, blah, blah, blah. And I, I kind of explained and we looked at it a little bit first. She said, no, no, it's all paid in full. It's done, it's, it's all done. And I was absolutely floored because... Well, I didn't exactly know how, but I, I think through the blessing of someone uh, here in this church or they caught wind or whatever and they, they covered the costs. And, and, uh, but but I, I actually, the debt I needed to pay, like that was the consequences of, of you know, the mistake that I'd done. But someone else paid it for me. Extraordinary act of grace. And this is what Christ has done for us. See, there's a debt that we need to pay, but he steps in for us. The, the death of Jesus' of Jesus's life shows us that our debt has been taken care. And because of that, what he offers is a fresh start. It's actually amazing because so many of you, you, there's stuff going on in your heart, there's stuff going on in your life and you think, I can't overcome this. Like I literally, you've, you've tried to, you've tried to. You've tried to overcome and there's struggles and you've wrestled with stuff and you know deep down in your heart, you literally don't have the power. You don't have the ability. You just can't seem to overcome, whether it's addictions, whether it's habits, whether it's just things that you think about. There's stuff that you just can't, you can't get past and you can't get over it. And there may have even been times where you thought to yourself, I need, I need a new heart. I need a fresh start. I need, I need a new life. That's what I need. And, and what Christ has done on the cross 
it, it's so significant because this is exactly what he offers. This is what he offers. This is why our t- testimonies are so powerful because he, he, gives, he makes a way so that you can have a fresh start and a fresh life, a new life. In 2 Corinthians, this is so powerful. Paul says this, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. In Christ reconciling the world to himself. There's stuff that you can't overcome, addictions, whatever it might be, but in the power of Christ, he can help you and empower you set free from addictions. I was chatting to someone just this past week and everybody's story is different, but she was just sharing a little bit of her story and I think we'll, we'll get her to come and share one time, but I was just talking to her and she was sharing her story and she said, you know, I didn't grow up going to church or any of this sort of stuff. And she said, I was just struggling big time in my life. I stumbled into a couple of churches, whatever. But she said, this one particular time, I won't tell you the whole lot. But um, she said, I went to this church, but she said, on this one particular night, the pastor was just preaching. He said, if you're struggling, if there's things going on in your life, I just want to encourage you tonight to just cry out to God and say, God, I need you. I need a new life. Come and just do that in my, in my life. And she said that night she went home, no church background at all. And there was so much stuff going on in her life. She was struggling with so many things. But she said that night I laid in my bed and she just said, God, if that's true, can you just do that for me? Would you be willing to do that for me? Give me a fresh start, a new life. She said, there was depression, there was anxiety, there was all sorts of things going on in my life. And she said, I fell asleep. But she said the next morning, the next morning, literally everything like was gone. Like all, there, there was literally like a fresh start, like a new beginning. All this healing took place in my life. Now, I'm not saying that happens to everyone in that way, but for whatever reason, that was her story and that's what God did in that moment for her. But he gave her a fresh start and she said, everything changed from that moment on. I literally experienced a whole new life. And she's experiencing that day after day after day, even right now. She's experienced whole new life in him. Everything changed for her. The death of Christ on the cross means, this is what it means. It means that we can have fresh start, that we can have new life in him. I was preaching in another church one time. A young girl came up to me after the service very quickly. She came up to me after the service and she said, I don't know if you remember this, but you were speaking at a youth camp um, many years ago. And she said, you said this line that just stood out to me. She said, you said, even if, it, if, it, um, if you're the only person left in this whole world, Christ would die for you. And she said, I don't know why, but it just absolutely struck my heart. And she said, I responded that night. I knew that was for me. I responded that night. And, uh, and she said, uh, my life's never been the same since. I don't even remember saying that. But the reality is that that's the truth. That's the reality. Jesus' death on the cross, even if it was just for you, if there was only you that was left in this whole world, he would still go to the cross for you. He'd still do it for you because that's just the character of who he is. He is love. He is love and he loves you so much. His death is so significant for our lives. It changes everything, absolutely everything. Father God, we thank you for your word. so powerful. There's some in this moment, there's some right here now actually, that they're like, I kind of grew up hearing this, but something in their heart stirred tonight. Maybe like that young girl, it's like a light bulb moment. Maybe it, was, maybe it was that very book, seeing all the sin of their life. And then you taking it upon yourself. And they're left pure, debt-free, set free from sin once and for all. There's some here that have struggled with sin, some that have just thought, there's no way I could come before a holy and righteous God. You know who you are tonight and I just wanna give you an opportunity to say, God, just forgive me. God, thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. I wanna surrender to you. You'll know who you are because your heart's pounding. You know who you are because you'll think, how does he know? Like, how does he know my story? And trust me, it's not me. It's God knocking on the door of your heart. And the question is, will you let him in tonight? Will you be willing to surrender and say, God, I'm in. I I need you. I need you. I need a fresh start. I need a fresh heart. If that's you tonight, I'm gonna lead you just in a very simple prayer. It's really just between you and God. Just pray this prayer, dear God. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for pain for my sin. Thank you for rising again, overcoming death. Thank you for that punishment you took upon yourself so that I can know freedom, 
and so that I can know life, so that I can no longer be under this, this feeling, this sense of guilt or shame of sin in my life. You set me free from all of it. You can just pray, Lord, come into my heart now. Forgive me. Set me free. I want to know you. I give my heart, my life to you. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for those that responded tonight. It changes everything. I thank you for this message. There's some in this room. I know, I understand, I get it. We've heard it plenty of times before, but I just pray, Lord, that even as we sing this song, even as we worship you in this moment, that you might just instill in our hearts, in our spirits, a fresh revelation of the sacrifice that you made for us. A fresh revelation that this isn't a message just for some, it's not just for something that we keep to ourselves, but this is a message, it truly is the best message in the whole world. That there'd be something in us that as we're reminded of this, that we'd have this compulsion to go, I, I just need to share this with others. Like this truly is good news. It truly is the best news. And so I just pray you'd remind us of it. We thank you, Lord. We worship and honour you. We pray these things in Jesus' Name. Amen. Why don't we jump up on our feet as we worship and praise our great God. Let's jump up on our feet now. And I just think, what a better way to respond. What a better way to, to wrap up a service by just singing these words and praising our King, the King that laid down His life so that we could experience freedom and life. Let's worship Him.
response to all these times. With every breath that's in my lungs, my heart cries out, to you belongs the glory. Through every loss or victory, my soul will rise to only bring you glory. praise because you are amazing and you love us deeply and as we've just heard great God there is healing and there is forgiveness in your name and I want to thank you so much and that's why we can celebrate that is why we sing these songs we dance around because God you are amazing and you love us deeply and we are your children and you have called us to yourself so we thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. I wanted to say, if, you, if you've made the decision to give your life to Christ, to, to surrender, to, to ask for forgiveness, that is seriously the greatest decision you will ever make. I truly mean that. And there is a new life on offer. You've been forgiven. You've been saved. As Twig explained, and now there is a new life that is on offer and it is an amazing life. And we love to do life with each other. So make sure you share that with someone. Don't keep that to yourself. We would love to celebrate that with you, but actually get alongside you and do life with you. It's been an amazing service, but we definitely can't end right now because this has been a lot of fun. And we have heard of how amazing Jesus Christ is. So we've got to keep on celebrating. I actually don't know what the song is, what it's called, but that song that says da, 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 yeah, that's a lot of fun. We all want it. So what I need is I need the youth, I need the young adults to come down the front again. And if you're thinking to yourself, you want to be in the mosh pit, but you don't know what to do, all you've got to do is just jump up and down. That's all I do. Everyone can do it. So if you want to be part of it, come down because we are going to worship our amazing God together right now. Let's do it.
The crowd are asking for one more song. Let's do one more song. We're going to do Relentless. If you haven't come down the front and you want to come down the front, you know you want it. You can do it. Let's worship together. good that is it I've been told no more songs that is it that has been amazing it is so good worshipping with you feel free to take a seat can we give our amazing worship band another round of applause and can we give Jesus an even bigger applause so good make sure feel free to head to our connections lounge we have our prayer lounge as well and then we have an amazing food truck outside so go out grab a meal hang out in the courtyard thanks for watching online we'll see you around